Welcome to River Life Podcasts. We're a church family embracing the Father's presence, releasing empowered people to declare and demonstrate Christ's kingdom. We trust that God would use what you hear today to bless and grow you so that you would be a blessing to those around you. For more information about River Life Baptist Church, go to riverlifechurch.org.au or find us on social media. Well, how's your first week of prayer and fasting been going? Have you joined in some way or another? I hope you have. Uh, Pastor Nick said at the beginning of the service, if you didn't make it in time, that there is lots of different opportunity for us to be able to gather uh, together. There's lots of opportunity to continue on the right track while you're at home doing your devotions. There are daily devotions that we're sending out via email. If you're not on that email, head to our website. You can um, make sure you can find all of that there. Just go to resources, go to or spiritual formation, actually go to prayer, and then you can jump on 21 days of prayer and for revival. Lots of info there. I hope that you've been hungering. I hope you've been thirsting. I hope that as you withdraw from something, you know, that's the idea of fasting and it doesn't always have to be food, but it might be other things that you would prioritize time with the Lord. That's what it's about. It's about making sure that you're prioritizing time with Him so that you draw near to Him, building intimacy with Him, growing. And I just, I sense there's a real encouragement amongst us at the moment. There is a a raising up. The spiritual temperature is getting a little warmer. Can you feel it? Can you feel it? Like when you talk with one another, when you share with one another, would you keep doing that? Just be encouraging of each other. Uh, You know, share what the Lord is doing in and uh, your life and through others. That's we just want to see this continual build on because we know that there is a need in our world. When I look around the world, I see just such a beautiful world but scarred by sin. You know, we can find those places where we see the beauty of God and how he created this world for us to enjoy being with him in this beautiful place, but you know, you see the scars that are left by sin. We see the heartache, we see the pain, we see the disturbances, we we see the suffering, we we see the sickness, we see all of those various different things, and we we need to be reminding ourselves that, you know what, that that's not the way he's going to finally leave this place. It wasn't the way he started this place. he's got a job to do and it's our job to join the mission of God that we are to be salt and light to the world around us. That's what he calls us to be. He calls us to be a a spirit-empowered presence to the world around us to bring hope, to bring life, to bring joy, to be able to bring the things of the kingdom into the space of the darkness of this world around us. And we can't afford to be asleep at this time of history. Church, we just can't afford to be asleep. I hope we're we're not, but we could be in danger of losing our inheritance, losing our, our burden for souls. And there's so many important things that we can do, we are doing, we should be doing, and all those sorts of things at this moment in time. But I wanna say, I think the very most important thing we can be doing right now is to pray. And that's why we're calling you to 21 days of prayer and fasting. Even if you can't do the fasting part, do the praying part, right? 21 days setting ourselves aside, calling on the Lord for revival. And revival means so many different things, so many different people. You know, it's one of the questions we've got out in the foyer at the moment and those sorts of things is, what does it mean to you? The actual word revival is a composite word. It's made of the word re, which is again, and vive, which is life, to bring life again, to bring life out of something that was dormant, to bring something out, or life out of something that was um, dead or dormant or, or just, you know, without life, like an unconscious state almost, you know, and, and to bring back life into that. And did you know that we as believers are the ones to experience revival first? See, because the word itself, revival, is bringing uh, uh, to life again our faith in Jesus. It's bringing again to us, those who have already chosen to believe in Christ Jesus as our Lord and Savior, to then revive us back into intimacy with Him. 
And that's why we're doing this fasting gig. It's like the whole thing is like, there are some things in our life that we become dependent on in our lives on a continual basis. They're things that in effect are, are, are not bad things, all of them. Some of them might be, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But the, some of those things that we have are just things that we prioritize well above the, our priority of, of for God in our lives and spending time with Him. And what we're actually wanting to do out of this time is when you fast, the the moment you feel hungry, the moment you miss your screen time, the moment that you miss whatever it is that you're laying aside, you're asking and pressing in for for the intimacy with the Father. You're, You're longing for something that's there and you're turning that into a spiritual longing to be with God, to, to, to just get close and draw near to Him. Revival starts with us. A personal revival in each of our own lives. Of course, the outcome of revival is an open heaven. The benefits and the blessings of God in heaven literally flow to earth. The blessings of God in love and glory and power of God supernaturally flowing from heaven, even catching others in their way. We're desiring that God reveals himself in all his splendor, in all his fullness, in his glory, that we might be witnesses to his, his presence amongst us, but also that others would start to see. In revival, it's the the hearts of God's people start to burn with a passion. We start to actually beat in rhythm and in sync and in time with his compassion for others. Had a little compassion fatigue lately? I'll put both hands up. It happens when you're tired, right? But our father's not. He sees the world around us and he knows the need. And he's calling on us to be a part of the remedy of the need. My kids and I, we like to go camping. And, and when we go camping, we, we, just, we just cook over a fire. I don't take any gas or any of that sort of stuff. We just, we just light a fire. If it rains at night, you better hope you put some of that wood undercover. And if you've ever had a really good campfire, you can see that thing just beautifully glowing at night and... By the time you wake up in the morning, it looks like it's out. There's no smoke coming from it. It's just a pile of ashes. But if you're careful with it, what you can do is you just unfold a little bit of it, put some kindling in there, put something nice and dry in there, and just start to give it a little oxygen. Just start to blow on it. Just start to fan it a little. And all of a sudden, those coals that were in there are still warm. They've been kept warm through the night as they're buried under the ash. But as new kindling is put on it, they burst into flame again. And that's like revival in each of us. It's like God wants to come and just blow on us. The breath of God again, the wind of God, the spirit of God blowing upon us and taking those maybe smoldering, cooling embers and turning them again into a blazing fire of passion for him. That's the desire we have for revival. Because if you can only capture what it would actually be like when you have thousands of people who are burning that red hot. Let me keep with the fire illustration. You can make a nice little fire that's good enough for boiling a pot of water. You can make a, a big fire that whole families can gather and enjoy you know, their time around and cooking multiple different pots around there and enjoying the warmth of the fire for the whole campground. Have you ever been to a big bonfire? And you can see that sucker from way off. I'm talking big, you know, like the ones that would be scaling right up. And you, you light those things. It's like a, a torch to, to be seen for kilometers away. You can you imagine if in each one of us individually, there's a personal revival that takes the coals that might have gone out, the embers that have laid low, but breathe new fire of God onto them because he breathes the oxygen of his, the wind of his breath, of his spirit upon us. And again, we'd all combine, but together, this, this, it's almost like a bonfire, right? The city couldn't help but see river life on fire. 
Couldn't help it when you go out of here, you're not some dark little coal that kind of makes your way bobbling through the week, only to rejoin with some others to get a little heat again on a Sunday. You're, you're like this, whoa, too hot to handle kind of on fire Christian that's out there just doing stuff in the name of Jesus all over the place. And the kingdom of God is coming through you. Can you catch what revival is like? And we don't need to twist God's arm about this. God's eyes are roaming throughout the earth looking for who it is that he might show himself strong through. I'm on, I want that. I want to be one he shows himself strong through. No, nothing to do with me, but the, the glory of God, that people would come and, and they would see how wonderful, they would taste and see that indeed he is delicious. Imagine if we're all on that same page together. Of course, the outcome, the overflow of that would be that we'd hope to see our city come to Jesus. We'd hope to see nations turn around. We'd, we'd hope to see the reality of God and His Holy Spirit working so supernaturally, so powerfully through all of our lives that others would be affected. That whilst revival might start in here, in each of your hearts as believers, that it would spread out like a wildfire. We can't afford to fall asleep, church. We cannot afford to fall to sleep at this moment in time. Ever had a micro nap while you're driving? When I was dating Robin many, many years ago, I worked up in central Queensland. I was a teacher back then and... Um, I used to, it would be an eight hour drive back to Brisbane and every other month I'd, I'd kind of make the trek down someone's birthday or you know, just to see her or something like that. And I, at three o'clock on the dot on Friday, I'd have everything already ready in the car and I'd, I'd race out after a long week of teaching and you know, uh, you know, dealing with kids and stuff and parents and all that sort of stuff. And, and I'd jump in the car but after about six hours of driving and you're a couple of hours away still and, and now you're talking nine o'clock at night but it feels like midnight, those long straight country roads, you know, you can just start to, I don't know if it's ever happened to you, but you, if you drift off, you know, and the frightening thing is you don't know how long you're out for. Until sometimes, you know, you put a couple of wheels out onto the, the side of the road and that really wakes you up and you swing back in and you, you think, oh my goodness, you do everything you can, you know, strong water on yourself, the windows are down, the music's up loud, you, you're doing it all to stay awake. But if we aren't careful, the church can fall asleep at the wheel. We're called to join God in his mission of seeking and saving the lost. But unless we return to him in intimacy through the repentance, then we might be in danger of falling to sleep at the wheel. God's calling believers to come back to him to receive the power of a renewed spiritual life in him. Listen to what it says in Ephesians chapter five. It says, wake up, wake up sleeper. Rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Wake up, river life. Wake up and Christ will shine on you. When we come awake, when we are in revival, when we are revived in our faith and there is an intimacy that nothing else can take away between us and God, God will shine on you and you will be a light to the nations. You will be a light to this city. It'll look like we're all on fire. Revival begins when we experience anew and afresh the Father's love, the Father's power at work in our lives. Why? Because only when this happens can we reach the lost, the spiritually dead. Because up until then, if you don't have a burning compassion for those people, for the lost, it becomes a religious duty to go and try to save a few, rather than birth out of a love for Jesus, an intimacy with him. And God's calling us to pray. 
God's calling us to pray. I want to talk, that's what I want to talk about tonight. I want to talk about that as we head, and you've already been in it a week, and we've got a couple of weeks left, that we'd, we'd be talking, we'd be thinking about prayer. I, I want you to pray without ceasing. I want you to get to the point. Prayer is just so important. It, it, it connects us with God and His presence. It protects us from the threats and the onslaught of the enemy, gives strength for the battle. It continually aligns us at the heart of God to be in communion with Him. It supernaturally empowers us for the journey that is ahead. Prayer. And tonight I want to talk to you about prayer about revival. And the first thing I want to talk about tonight is, is prayer of repentance. So we know as we enter into this time of prayer together and we move towards revival, how important it is that we're right with God. And secondly, that we would know the power of prayer within our lives, that we would know that we are indeed in a spiritual battle. The devil would like nothing better than to leave us asleep at the wheel. But not this generation, not this time in history. God is calling us to realize that prayer now becomes a powerful weapon to be able to fight for the reign of God in our region. So revival really starts within, and it starts with repentance. It restores the intimacy with God. I hope your daily devotions this week, you've been enjoying those? Am I the only one? Anyone else? A few of you. Get on them. They're fantastic. They're really great. I hope you've been drawn into the invitation of intimacy this week. That you've been challenged to just kind of stop and draw near and spend time again with intimacy with the Lord, to abide with Jesus and, and play, stay in that place of connectedness. You know how you do that? You keep short accounts with God. You don't allow sin to become the thing that rules you out from God using you powerfully. You see, sin does a couple of things. One is it hurts us. You realize that. Your sin actually is destroying you. It, it's, like the, it's like smoking cigarettes for your spiritual life, you know? Might feel a little pleasurable and okay at the time, but it's slowly just eking your way and killing you on the inside. That's sin. It's just trying to get a hold of your life. You do realize that the enemy of God, the devil has three things he wants to do. Steal, kill, and destroy. He's out to steal, to kill, and destroy. That's what he wants to do. That's what he does and he wants to do to people of faith who follow after Jesus. So not only does sin come to steal, kill, and destroy you, hurt us, but sin grieves the very heart of God. It stops us from moving forward in partnership with him because we grieve him. And revival starts with repentance because it's only Jesus that can change that equation. Jesus changes the sin equation because of what he did for us on the cross. By giving up his life, by laying down his life, by defeating death, by raising from the dead, we can know forgiveness of sin and be put right with God. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 9. For there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, 1. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I don't need to live under the weight of that wretched sin. I can just keep coming back to you, making sure my feet are pointing in the right direction, keep those short accounts with you. But repentance is when we come and we go, Lord, I need you more than I need this stuff. I don't need that stuff in my life anymore. I turn away from it and I choose you. I'm changing the way I think that I thought those things were going to bring the, 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 in my life a stability. I thought they were going to be a prop. I thought they might be able to be numbing the pain or whatever it might be. And we change our mind to think, no, Jesus, that's you. That's your spot to fill. That's what I need. I need you in my life. And we are encouraged and we remember that those who then hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. Remember that those who strive for holiness, who die to self to see God, and the prayers of these righteous people avail much. 
They're effective, the Bible says. You see, it's when we, we live in the power of the Holy Spirit rather than in our sinful nature. God gives us a freedom and he gives us the blessing of an open heaven. It's then that we keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Through confession, through repentance, we receive God's forgiveness and commit our lives to pursuing holiness and practicing godliness. Prayer of repentance is really important. It's then when we understand that we're right with God and we continue to lay aside those things that would be stumbling blocks to walking in intimacy with him that we can understand that prayer becomes a powerful weapon to fight for the rule of the reign of God in our region. When Jesus' disciples saw the intimacy that Jesus had with the Father and the effect of his prayers, I mean, when he prayed and they were with him, they saw stuff happen, right? They saw him go off regularly, spending time with the Father alone in prayer. He would retreat. He'd do all of those sorts of things. And when they saw this and they'd spent enough time with him, they said, Jesus, we want to pray like that. And we see Jesus teaching what we know is the Lord's Prayer. You could kind of call it the disciples' prayer, right? He's teaching them, but the Lord's Prayer. Verse six, uh, verse nine, sorry, of chapter six in Matthew. And Jesus said, so this is then how you should pray. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive those who are in our debt. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We like to tack on for yours is the kingdom, power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. It's not meant to be a prayer that's just rote, learnt and spat out. This becomes a, a rule of life for us. It becomes a way of living. It becomes how we missionally activate ourselves. You see, Jesus is teaching us that prayer is a powerful weapon to fight for the reign of God in our region. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We fight a battle that's in the heavenlies. That's where the battle really rages. We know from Ephesians chapter six, Paul talks and he says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the powers and principalities of darkness in the heavenly realms. Paul says our, our fight isn't against flesh and blood. Our wrestle isn't against a person who has an opposing view to us. Maybe they're on the other side of the political fence to us. Our wrestle isn't with them in the flesh and blood. Maybe it's that friend on Facebook who puts the annoying comments up that you totally disagree with. Well, your, your beef isn't with them in the flesh and blood. Maybe it's the atheist at work who keeps saying stuff and arguing with you around the belief that there is no God at all. Your wrestle is not with them in flesh and blood. Maybe it's the media that have, you know, perceive us with a, a biased view about our faith. Our wrestle is not against people. Our wrestle is not against flesh and blood. But there is a real battle going on for souls. There is a real battle going on for blood and flesh. But we don't wrestle against those things. We wrestle against the heavenly realms, the principalities, the powers, the rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in the heavenly realms. That's where we wage our war. These people are puppets due to the fact that they believed in the wrong thing. Now, that we must have a voice in those spaces, but we need to take up the battle in prayer because it's praying into what is happening behind that where the real deal, the real action is happening. If you unpack that scripture just a little bit in Ephesians chapter 6, that word principalities, 
So palady is just a, 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 it's a composite word, principality. Palady is like a word for a region, a, a, a location, right? And prince is, just as you know, it is a prince, right? So we've got the principality. You've got this idea that there, there is a, a reign of a prince over a particular region. And Paul tells us that this is actually what's happening in the spiritual realm. And notice they are plural, principalities. There's not just one principality, there's principalities. There's, there's areas of spiritual reign that are happening in, in all sorts of various places all over the world. Now Satan is out to steal, kill and destroy, I told you that before, but he's not in his own to do this. He has an army of fallen angels who are there with him, uh, exercising their authority and their, 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 their hopeful authority over areas. But I want you to understand that through prayer, prayer is powerful to enforce the rule of God in a region. We learn this in Daniel. Daniel chapter 10. We'll get there in just a moment. What's happening in this particular passage is that um, uh, Daniel's a godly man, but he's living in a, you know, people who are ungodly. They're just not, not following the ways of the Lord. And he, he calls for a 21-day fast. He fasts for 21 days, calling out on the Lord to give him a vision for the future of what it could be to be able to reach these, these Israelites who are going the wrong way. And so he fasts and he prays, asking God for breakthrough asking God for vision for the future. And at the end of 21 days, an angel comes to him. And this is what he says, Daniel chapter 10, verses 20 and 21. So he said, do you know why I've come to you? This is the angel talking to Daniel. Soon I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go, the prince of Greece will come. Sounds like fun. But first, I tell you what it is written in the book of truth. He's about to proclaim the vision, the message. No one supports me against these other guys except Michael, your prince. So as soon as Daniel prays these prayers, they're heard in the heavenly realms. These prayers that he offers up, this start of his 21 days, where we're seven days in, God has heard our prayers. Woo! Come on. God is hearing the prayers of his people as they submit themselves to him, as they long for change, as they call on the name of Jesus. But it took 21 days for this angel to get there to be able to give the message to Daniel. And he comes across the prince of Persia, who is the prince of a palate. You get what I'm talking about now? Principalities, this is what Paul's talking about. So, so this angel is now fighting a demon, a fallen angel in the heavenly realms on his way to deliver a heaven-sent message because angels are messengers. He's giving a message to Daniel in response to his prayers that have been heard, but he can't get there because he's in a battle. He's in a fight, a heavenly fight that's going on in the heavenly realms until Michael comes along, who's bigger than them all, and kicks the snot out of the other demon to allowing this one to get out to get there and give his message, this, uh, the angel to get there and give his message to Daniel. Pretty crazy stuff, right? But you should be encouraged because when you pray, heaven hears and responds to your prayers. When you've come through that prayer of personal revival in repentance and you're right with the Lord and you're in a place of intimacy, your prayers avail much. They're worth, they're effective, they're heard in heaven. When you pray, there are princes of darkness that are resisting the reign of God. But when you pray in the name of Jesus, you're not simply praying to another created being. You're praying to the Prince of Peace. You're praying to him who came into the world as the light of the world and darkness could not snuff him out. 
You're praying to the one who has become the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one who sits on the throne and teaches us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Or even better than that, do you know Jesus and the Holy Spirit are right now interceding on your behalf before the Father? Woo! You want a prayer partner? You got one. The Prince of Peace, the one who reigns, is praying for you. And as you pray, he hears our prayers and the heavens are starting to move. It may be a wrestle. It may be some time. There may be a battle going on. Why? Because if I was the enemy and my job is to steal, kill, or destroy, and, and, I, and I have a slumbering people who have fallen asleep at the wheel, I'd just leave them alone. They're going to crash, right? But if people start to get hungry, if people start to thirst after and hunger after righteousness, if people start to repent and live holy and godly lives, if people start to pursue intimacy with Jesus, then the enemy is going to take note. The enemy is going to have a, a fight on his hands. And so we can expect some, some pushback. We can expect that. But the good news around is our prayers have been heard. Jesus teaches us that prayer isn't just a wrestle in the spiritual realm, it's a wrestle in here. Jesus continues to not only teach his disciples how to pray at the beginning of his ministry, but you, you see him modeling how to pray right to the end of his ministry. The last night of his life or before the end of the trial and before the start of the trial and all the rest of it. I think Jesus' humanity is on display maybe more than any other time other than when he's a tiny little baby, you know. Here he is, <coughs> excuse me, in the garden of Gethsemane, crying out to his father in prayer. And he prays a very personal, very simple prayer, nothing fancy about the language. This is what he asked for. And by the way, he doesn't get it. Doesn't get what he asked for. But he, he wins the battle that's going on, the wrestle that's going on in here. Mark chapter 14, verse 32 through 36. They went to a place called Gethsemane and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John. They were his three closest disciples. And he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. That's what he says to them. Stay here and keep watch. Then he goes a little further. He falls to the ground and he prayed that if it is possible that the hour might pass from him. And he says these words, Abba, Father, Daddy God, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours. Not what I will, but what you will. Did you see it? No fancy words. It's just a very, very personal response talking to his dad. This would have shocked the disciples, like the way he prayed just so openly. Just the way he just addresses his, his father in heaven as, as dad and then just pours out his heart. But do you see where the wrestle is? The wrestle is, Lord, you can do anything you can do anything. Would you take this cup away from me? I, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to drink of this cup. It wasn't a cup for me, but something equally as awful, not to what Jesus went through. But I remember I, uh, something I asked my dad to take away from me. I was about five years old and I can still vividly remember where I was sitting and the dining room table, and, and mum had cooked tripe for dinner. I don't know what possessed her. Do you know what tripe is? <laughs> tripe is 
cow's guts. She used to like it back in England. I, good on the English. And her mum cooked it for us, and the rule was you had to eat everything that was on your plate, and you couldn't get up and go until it was finished. That was the rule in our house. Oh, man, I sat there for hours. Tripe tastes like very little and has the texture of a rubber tire. Well, at least how my mum cooked it. She's a great cook in other ways, just in case we use this version. (laughs) No, she actually is. My kids love her cooking. But it's disgusting. And when my earthly father would not take that away from me, he wouldn't take this cup away. I'm like, I'm starting to plead. Like, I'm like desperate. I'm like, I've been sitting here for an hour and a half. I'm five. Please, I can't finish it. I tried it all. You know, hold the nose, put it in, swallow it whole, cough it up, take it with liquid, do whatever you could. It was absolutely disgusting. And when my dad wouldn't take it away, I started pleading to my heavenly father, oh, take me now. This is terrible. I don't want any more of this. (laughs) Nothing in comparison. Nothing in comparison to this cup that Jesus had to take. Because the cup that he was asking to be taken from him was a cup of God's wrath. You see, right throughout the Old Testament, prophets would come along and they would prophesy to the people of Israel and they would say, hey, you guys better stop sinning. Better get yourself in order. Better get in line. Otherwise, the wrath of God. God has a a cup of wrath in which he might pour out on us, get right. And so they would come right and they'd go away again. They'd come right and go away again. Sounds a lot like us really, doesn't it? good news is that unlike in the Old Testament, this New Testament, Jesus won a battle that was within him that day when he said this, not my will, but your will. And praise God he did. Because he drank the cup of God's wrath that you and I via our sin all deserved. He took on himself the punishment of our sins and extends forgiveness to you and I. That's just incredible. How wonderful, how amazing is it? He knew that his life's purpose was to drink the cup of God's wrath, not because he'd ever sinned, but because you and I had. We deserve to drink that cup, and he took the punishment away for us because of his everlasting love, Jesus took that cup. Our father did answer his prayer differently. He didn't take that one away. Jesus went to the cross. But Jesus also sent him an angel who strengthened him to endure the cross, it tells us in Luke chapter 22. He didn't give him a way to escape the pain. He gave him a way and strength to endure it. And all of us should be so grateful that Jesus kept praying until he received the strength to surrender his will to the will of the father. The wrestle of our prayer is not just a wrestle against the powers and the principalities of darkness in the heavenly realms. It's a wrestle that goes on within each of us to surrender our will to His. This is why fasting works. It's not magic. Oh, they're fasting from everything, only drinking water. Must be way more spiritual. God will answer their prayers first. Uh Uh-uh. They just need it more. Right? It's the submission of their will to his. It's like saying, I don't need this time. I need you. I need you. I need you. Not my will, but your will. When I want that, I want you more. Prayer is not just about a petition for God's help. Prayer is a process of surrendering our will to the will of the Father. A little bit later on in Mark chapter 14, it goes on to say, then he returned to his disciples, and guess what? He finds them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. 
Pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Prayer is the church's protection against the enemy of God. The temptations of the enemy to take us away from the very will of God being done. You can bet your bottom dollar that through the next 14 days after this one, if you are seeking intimacy with God through prayer and fasting, temptation is going to come left, right, and center. If you're fasting from food, you're going to smell the most magnificent things cooking that you just go, oh, just a little bit won't hurt. I just want that. If you're fasting from screen time, you'll be going, I wonder what's happening in the world. Is the world still really alive? Are people, do I have any friends? Go talk to them. Just talk to them like normal people. Just go talk to them. You don't need... Do you see what's going to happen, though? This is what's going to happen. You're going to be tempted. You're going to be trialed. You're going to be pushed. You're going to be led astray. Wake up, Jesus says to Peter. This is an important moment in history. He says to them before he goes a little further to pray, I am greatly distressed to the point of death. Now, I sympathize with them, really, I do. I mean, after a good meal, I get a little tired as well. They just had the Last Supper. It's the Last Supper for a reason, not just the last because Jesus was there. It's like, it's like this is Passover. They've, they've dug in. It's late at night. They've got full tummies. Blood's rushing away from the brain. It's not working properly either. These guys are hanging with each other. It's cold probably, you know, and... and, and and they fall asleep. They're, they're tempted. They're, they're led astray. I go to bed every night thinking it would be a great idea to wake up and exercise. <laughs> Sounds like a good idea until the morning because I have a big problem with the snooze button. I can find that thing without looking. I just kind of have like a little magnet on the end of my finger that goes, boom, snooze. Nine minutes go past. Snooze. 18 minutes go past. Snooze. Exercise, exercise. <laughs> do I really need it? You're looking at me going, John, you really do. <laughs> and so... Instead of hitting the snooze, I set up multiple alarms. This is what my alarm clock looks like. Because if I just hit snooze, it just keeps going until you hit stop and then you're done for, right? Then you're in trouble. So, so you set multiple alarms that way, at least then you've actually got to turn the thing, you know, like snooze, but the next one comes on, it's like multiple things going on all of the time. You're just kind of fed up and get up. I wonder if we have some spiritual alarms going off in our nation right now. I wonder if God is trying to wake us from our spiritual slumber. I wonder if God is sounding some alarms to wake us up and to pray. And I wonder if the church has hit snooze far too many times. Not this time, church. Not this time. God is calling us to pray for revival. For the last 40 years in Australia, church attendance has been declining. You could say, who cares about numbers? I care about numbers. I care about numbers. You know why I care about numbers? Because there's families here whose children and grandchildren are not in here. There's friends of yours who are not in here. There's people who will be spending an eternity without Jesus. That's why numbers matter. There are alarm bells going off to wake us up and to pray, not just keep hitting snooze. There's a growing secularism. Have you noticed that things that, that used to look so, uh, so evil to us are now just neutral, just kind of accepted? There's backlash against the biblical view of marriage in our culture, growing secularism in the church, which is being pushed to the margins. Increase of family breakdown. I mean, that alarm bell has been going off for a long time. 
the carnage in our families, in society. So much pain. The moral relativism that has just kept growing in our nation. What's what we thought were pure evil and normal now, as I said, is neutral. The aborting of babies at full time term. Rampant sexual immortality and drug use. These things are becoming normal, neutral. The alarm bell's already gone off, but what's the church doing? Remember where our fight is? Not against the flesh and blood, not about those making those choices. They're not our enemy. The enemy is the one who's, who's subjecting them to this way of life. The enemy is the one who's infiltrated their thinking, beliefs, and, and behaviors. We have a battle to take up, and we can't afford to keep hitting snoops. God is waking us up to pray. Let's not press snooze again, people. Let's not fear those powers and principalities because we pray to the one who reigns. And prayer is allowing the reign of God in our region. We must keep praying. Jesus says we need to stay awake and pray that we'll be not led into temptation. The temptation, the plans of the evil one to tempt you away are not good. They're to steal, kill and destroy it. And if he's not that active in your life, it's because you're happy slumbering. But we needn't fear. We serve Jesus, the one who's conquered, the one who does reign, and he's calling the church to prayer, calling us to bend our knee. First, in personal revival by repentance, by turning away from the things of this world that would grieve him, would snuff out the works of him in and through us and to calling us back to a holiness in Him that would allow Him to work in His supernatural powers and wonders through us that we might again come alive in Him. That intimacy together, we might see this amazing fire of revival grow. So would you pray? Jesus asked for just one hour from the disciples. What about every day for the next 14 days? Would you pray? Plenty of things to get along to if that helps. Plenty of tools to resource you and help you if that helps. But prayer is a simple conversation with God. Jesus displayed that in the garden. It's real, it's authentic, it's open, it's honest. And it ends with the submission of our will to His. And when that happens, when revival fire takes place. Stand with me. I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. I want to pray with you. Come, Holy Spirit. Come like a mighty fire. Come like a rushing wind. Come and do all that you want to do to breathe life again on, on coals, on embers that have just gone cool, Lord God. Come again and stoke the fire of a passion for you, a desire and a longing for you, intimacy with you. Jesus. We turn our hearts towards You. We change the way of thinking from the things of this world that have crept in and choked out the goodness of Your Gospel coming to life in each one of us. Lord, we repent. We turn to You. We say, indeed, we are sorry, God, for the things that we've relied on, the things we've turned to instead of turning for You. God, would You move in us, Lord God, growth and grow a desire, a longing, a passion in each one of us for the things of Your kingdom. God, this world that we live in, the alarm bells are going off. We hear them loud and clear. God, we don't want to hit snooze again. We make this stand today. We make it again today. We'll make it again tomorrow and the day after and the day after and the day after and the day after that until your spirit would come in authority and power, Lord God, to revive us, to refresh us, to renew us, to place in each one of us a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. Thank you for your promise. 
that we will be filled when we hunger and thirst for righteousness. Stir it up, my Lord, make us hungry, make us thirsty, Lord God. Lead us to, to you, Lord God, to the source of all things that we need to refresh and to replenish our weary souls, Lord God. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and ignite a mighty fire amongst your people. Now, right across, not just River Life, Lord, but churches across the state, Baptist churches, other churches, all banner of people who call on you as Lord Jesus, we ask that you would come and stoke a fire that would turn this city right side up, that we would be a blazing fire amongst our nation and to the nations of the world. Come again that we might indeed be rightfully called the great south land of the Holy Spirit. Come and move with power amongst your people, Lord God. Fire of heaven, come. Fire of heaven, come. Purge us, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Make us your pure and bride again, Lord God. Holy and clean unto you, Father. People who are willing to just pursue you with a passion, Lord, that would would just pale into every other passion we pursue would pale into insignificance to the one we pursue after you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. And amongst us, they're standing right here, right now. Those standing right here, right now. God, you've heard our prayer. You've heard our prayer. Now we just send your messengers from heaven. Send your messengers from heaven. And each one, ignite their heart, Lord God. Ignite their heart, Lord God. Fireballs all over the place, Lord God. Just leaping up out of people's souls, out of people's spirit, out of people's heart and longing for you, Lord God. Hear our prayer and transform us. Hear our prayer. We want to see the reign of God in our region. Oh, we're sick of the enemy stealing, killing, destroying livelihoods, lives, families, sons and daughters, prodigals, those who are looking for life in all the wrong places. Lord, we bring them home in the name of Jesus. We ask that you would send your messengers out to them right now. Come Holy Spirit and do a work in each of their lives. Bring them back to you, Lord God. Let them know of the reality of your power in their lives today. Let us know the reality of your power in our lives today. We don't go as coals that have drawn cold overnight, but we grow on fire with your presence within us. That we might go out tomorrow and for the rest of this week, stoking our own fire by spending time with you and burning white hot and bright for the sake of the world around us. Lord, come. Come again in power and authority. We're asking for the great outpouring of your Spirit, a revival of all revivals before the end time harvest, Lord. Come, come. Come, we can't do it. It's all yours. It's all yours. And we believe it's your desire as we surrender ourselves to your will. We ask it in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this River Life podcast. Make sure you subscribe to keep up to date with all the latest content. If this podcast has raised any questions for you, contact us via church at riverlifechurch.org.au or through Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening.